Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 102. Uh, last episode was with Hannah Russell, who has basically had a really tough time as a teenager. She was 15. She had quite a major accident and uh, was looking at doing sports and development um, at uni. And then that sort of put, put the kibosh on that. And then a year later, she decided to write a little book about uh, a donkey, a pony, I'm saying the wrong thing, I apologise. Um, some kind of small horse uh, that she'd bought to sort of try and get through those troubles. And uh, now she has sold upwards of 200,000 books. So uh, quite an interesting story. She's now bought a little visitor centre and she's only 26. Uh, so quite quite an impressive one there. Uh, I don't know what the next episode's going to be. Um, I'm not really sure yet, just at the sort of peak of recording at the minute. Um, we do have two people here that I know quite well and that they've interrogated me once before. Uh, so if you do want to hear my story, which isn't something I normally say at the start of a podcast, uh, go and check out the Farming Funny episode, The Influencer, I believe they called it, because they wanted to make me feel stupid. Um, but today we have Nick and James of the Farming Funny podcast, and one of them is actually spending time, spending time in the field at the minute in the tractor. Uh, so it's going to be quite a cool, quite a cool background when he's speaking. But if you just want to say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm James. Hi, I'm Nick. <laughs> Thank you very much, because I had no idea which one was which. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Um, just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A-Plan Rural for that. I knew James was the one that looked like me. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> the handsome one. It's just a little bit darker at the moment. I'm just a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here, guys, I'm sure quite a lot of folk, uh, if they listen to myself, probably listen to you. Um, what kind of surprised me was I had been doing the podcast for the best part of about a year and a half. I think you guys did you start in like February 2021, is that right? Yeah, I was, yeah, uh, yeah, 21. Yeah, so we started at the exact same time. Uh, and obviously, Nick, you're from quite nearby Dumfries, I'm from Dumfries, and it kind of surprised me how long it took us to come across each other. So, if you don't listen to Farming Funny, go check it out. Um, covering very similar stories to myself, but maybe uh, that sort of three person dynamic works quite well. Um, but let's let's hear a bit of background from you both boys. Tell us, tell us about the background that Nick and James and you can decide who goes first. Go on, big Jim. So, the background in terms of my my existence or the podcast? Oh, let's go with existence. Ah. Is... So let's go back to 1988, 6th of February. Um, <laughs> 7.42 a.m. in Arbroath, uh, is where I was born. Um, from a young age, uh, I was very enthusiastic uh, about farming. Um, my mum's brother has got a farm up in Fraserburgh, which is all one estate sort of ring fence, livestock, uh, started up a haylage business. Um, basically, it was a really cool uncle would let me fly about in quad bikes. So literally from about the age of six, 
every single holiday I went there from like summer holidays, the minute summer holidays started, the minute they finished, I was up there um, until I was about 60, uh, which in, where we live in Angus, um, about 90 miles south, is a lot more intensive farming, uh, what we do, uh, a lot more uh, tractor jobs, and uh, I did a lot of that up the road as well, um, but it was like swap with the guy at the edge of the field for carting off and that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, so that let me start driving when I got my tractor license on the road down here. Um, so from there, went to college uh, where I met Nick as well. Um, but he, he uh, actually went to... Sounds like the start university. of a love story, that does. Sounds like the start <laughs> of a love story. <laughs> <laughs> we actually met on a, on a pub crawl, a very famous pub crawl in Aberdeen. Uh, is where we properly met. Uh, and then... Yeah, me and a couple of my best friends went travelling. Uh, worked on a farm in uh, Western Australia, um, on a big grain farm over there. And then I came home. Uh, kind of dad and his brothers kind of split up the business. Um, and so we went our way and they went theirs. We still work very closely together uh, in some aspects. But I kind of wanted to make a stamp on it because dad kind of gave me the reins at a pretty young age. So he was about 60... Just, uh, yeah, just out of 60, and my dad was the partner in the business that really got his hands dirty. He never really did any of the office work. So he kind of just said, I think it was more right, uh, you just do it. And I, I just, you know, it was good because it allowed me to, con like, really get in control of the finances and that sort of stuff. Not that they were out of control. I mean, actually be able to do stuff with it. So that's why I started looking at a, a biogas plant. Because I kind of wanted to do something a bit different, uh, but all that would utilize what we have on our land uh, as well for growing crop for it. So went down that route, and to be honest with you, that was fantastic. And not not one point did he ever say you're not allowed to do this or you can't, you know, you've really got to prove it to me or oh this is too risky. He just said, you know, batter on with it and just and just go. Um, so yeah, we've done that and. Uh, kind of built up a reasonable potato business um, as well and kind of developed, pushed on with a few more renewables, put up more solar. So yeah, just progressing, but trying to weave our way through the costly world of farming at the moment and and, and, and the expansion is very difficult. Um, you know, arable land in our area, it's, it's, it's very expensive. Um, if you were, if you're doing it purely as a payback, it, it, yeah, won't back too highly um so yeah it's just other ways to secure a future going forward um i think so yeah, that's, that's that's of, my background. you know you obviously done quite a lot of diversification there james it's almost required now you know in some form and i see uh, nick while you were mentioning the biogas rubbing the fingers together saying there was a bit in it but uh it's required, it's required, you know, and it's needed, and I'm sure there is a bit in it, but if you were just farming as farming is, then you'd be in a, a sticky wicket. Well, the, the thing is with the, the biogas plant is, I get this a bit, and especially when the power prices recently of, you know, everybody's power has gone up, and my export element of the, 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 the plant has gone up as well. But what they don't realise is, the, the, like, that thing doesn't know when it's when's a nice, a nice time to break down and when's not a nice time to break down. And, and I'm not joking you, there's been countless nights we've been there for about 
Well, this is the summer there. We were there for four days in a row till midnight every night trying to discover our problem because there's no how-to manual with this job. Um, I've, I've, you know, one of my mixers is broken recently and I'm having to change that out. Well, that's £104,000 for three mixer shafts. But, I mean, but I mean, off electricity, you'll make that in a minute and a half, don't you, James? <laughs> I will, because I'm selling to you, that's right. Like, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 all fine and well when it's going rosy, but it's very scary when it goes wrong. And the costs in biogas world are frightening. As the guy who operates my plant, as he soon discovered, he pointed out, nothing costs hundreds, James. It only costs thousands. Yeah. And you what know, what are you feeding biogas with then? So basically, we've got uh, we grow whole crop rye on the farm. Um, so we we harvest about 450 acres of that every year, um, and we silo that into clamps, basically like silage. Feed it into the feeder hopper every day, um, and we've also got uh, potatoes going in there and waste well waste potatoes and waste vegetables. That's what we're doing. Um, so. That side of it, I'm, I'm quite fortunate being in an Angus area is very, very high populated with potatoes. So I've got a lot of waste potatoes on our doorstep. Um, and uh, they're actually quite good for digesters. Um, so yeah, that all ferments in a tank, basically like a, a cow's stomach. Uh, and effectively, we're ca catching the farts. So as the, yeah. as the cow farts, that's what we're catching. And our cow continuously farts. Um, so, yeah, we're catching that, and then it runs through a 780-horsepower man V12 engine, and then it, on the end of the dry shaft uh, of the engine is a generator that produces 500 kilowatts of uh, electrical power every hour that we then export to the grid. Um, and, are, you making, are you making, well, that'll be 12 megawatts a day? Well done, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. That's why I said to John Deere with a TV on all day, mate. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to work. And, and, and you know, it's funny you speak to people in the biogas world, right? And uh, everybody references, oh, you just got a weep one. Or you just, you know, it's such a real, uh, I don't want it's, to, it's a, it's a bit of a dick swinging industry. It's like, you know, I've spoken to quite a few guys who work for companies who have mega AD plants. And they all say, oh, but you've just got a wee plan. And it's like, well, maybe it is, but, you know, it, it, it's handy. You know, when you when bio, biogas was first really a thing, it, was, it started in Germany. And the Germans started with tiny ones, like, I think they started on, like, 20 kilowatts, sort of little designs. And then they slowly yeah. built up and slowly built up. And so, so when these guys in Germany went to, like, I don't know, five, six, seven megawatts an hour. These boys knew exactly what they're doing. There's a lot of horror stories about AD plants over here going, oh, look at the tariff. Let's go massive. And when you go massive, the problems amplify and get so much bigger. And it, it, it tends to be the, the, the digesters that are kind of like owned by a big company that then have like people doing the feedstock on a contract for them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but don't get me wrong, there is some horror shows on, on like, fully ring fence plants as well. I mean, I've been there, done that, engine blown up, 
new engine in and an hour later it's blown up. So I've I've got I've got the ticket, I've got the training. Nick, what about yourself? How, how do you make your millions? <laughs> I was born a year before Big Jum, um, down in Dumfries. Oh, my dad, um, my dad's got a stock farm down here with Aberdeen Angus cows and Scotch mule and blackie sheep. Um, I went to boarding you school. Missed in one, didn't you? you missed one, didn't you? Yeah, I'll get to them. I'll get to okay. them. Okay. <laughs> uh, went to boarding school in Edinburgh, then went to the um, place of broken dreams, Aberdeen University, where I met Big Jum. Um, then went out to New Zealand for a couple of years, dairy farmed and sheep farmed out there. James came to visit me again, wouldn't leave me alone. Um, <laughs> came back and uh, decided I didn't want to be a farmer yet. I knew it was going to ultimately happen. Um, so I went away to London and worked down there where I met my wife um, and then kidnapped her in the back of the car and all our belongings in a sheep trailer and drove all the way home during lockdown and bought my own wee farm, which I've put on 300 of the most beautiful easy care sheep. Um, and then I work in tangent with my father and do my own thing at the same time. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's a quick history of, uh, of my agricultural background. What, what was London? What did you do in London? Dales. I worked for Groupon. All right. It was awesome. It was literally, the sales floor was like something like Wolf of Wall Street. There was like 400 salespeople on the sales floor. And I won't go into too much detail just in case you, your listeners are, are really big. But um, we had a lot of fun. Um, worked hard, played hard. But it was it was chaos. Absolute chaos. Is, now, you said you bought a farm. Yes. Was the sales at Groupon quite good. Uh, yeah, we we had a property down south that we sold um, and we used one of the farms that my father has as backing um, and then we put a deposit down and then the Easy Care sheep are paying off the loan every month. Well, Easy Care, I'm sorry, I, I, I pulled you up too early. I thought you'd forgotten about them somehow, but... Um, Certainly, uh, probably the most controversial part of, of the chat when I was on, uh, James said, what's your opinion? And I went down the route of saying, you know, I've never been pro them, never been pro them. And then as he went against you, I was like, but I have to admit, I do have a bit of a soft spot for them. Why Easy Cares? Um, so stock farming is completely different to what James does in the respect that it's really hard to make money. Um, <laughs> The, the, <laughs> the costs, especially over the last few years, you know, fuel, fertilizer, feed, staff, everything like that is sensational um, and has inflated because of COVID and the war in Ukraine and all these different things. Um, the one thing that hasn't gone up is how much we get for our livestock when we sell them. So our margin has pretty much disappeared. Oh, you still there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So our, our margin has pretty much disappeared. Um, so this time last year, when we were paying our fertilizer bills and our feed bills and everything like that for the winter um, and the spring, 
we kind of went, holy shit, it's really, really tight. Um, and I and I, I just thought, right, you know, dad, dad's done this for a long time. He's never really had to worry about being efficient because he's always made enough money to be happy. He's not, he's not made James money, but he's made enough money to be happy. Um, so this is three years ago. It was the first year we had to think about efficiency. So things like culling cows when they get to a certain age rather than, you know, keeping them going as long as they kind of go. Um, bringing cows into the shed rather than having to run tractors out with feed feed all the time. Um, and then the biggest thing for me was let's get sure that the inputs are incredibly low and the outputs are the same or if they're not, they're £10 different. Um, so... Yeah, that, that has been the big thing. It's just trying to cut costs in any way possible. Um, so, yeah, that's how I came across them. I just looked for the sheep that took the least work. And these guys, genuinely, I'm probably 75% through my lambing of them. And I can count the amount of times I've had to get involved. I've only lambed one, but I can count the amount of times I've had to get involved with you know, um, twinning on lambs and stuff like that on two hands. So it's been superb. I mean, that's amazing, really, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. If, but I mean, I've done it myself. Our lambing down at the other farm, we had four members of staff and two vet students who come and do their placement. I've done the whole thing myself, and I check them three times a day, and the rest of the time I'm down helping the, re- the other guys. So... It's been revolutionary, like revolutionary. Honestly, it's it's phenomenal. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Um, I mean, do you know? I'm actually quite surprised. James isn't on mute, but it's remarkably quiet in his tractor. Uh, you're not hearing. To... You're not hearing too many beeps. I don't think I've heard one. Actually, I keep I keep putting it on mute and taking it off mute when it's beeping away. But I've just I saw it stuff it. No, they have to. Re- Listen to what's going on in, in the in, in the cab. What's <laughs> happening on neighbours, mate? Are you are you still watching neighbours at the moment, or? No, nah, I'm on the office, mate. <laughs> oh, elite office UK or US? Uh, US. Obviously, what what episode are you on at the moment? Oh, I don't. I think it's season five. I'm on. <laughs> I'm a proper office nerd. It's so good. The it's best, the best, the, the best one. The best one. Is uh, the health and safety when Dwight makes a big fire and they're all like trying to like Michael Fannin in windows and Stanley has his heart attack. <laughs> and uh, Kevin knocks the camera over, but my favourite part is when Oscar tries to climb into the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, it falls through the legs. <laughs> oh my to, god, like, save the cat. That must have been so funny to film, man. Holy oh, shit. no, it's so good. I, you know, I sit and watch the bloopers on uh, on like on TikTok for hours sometimes. It's so funny. I've seen them all like 40 times. It's tragic. I, I think right. the US office is going to be very much like Friends, like yeah. the current, you know, where in 20 years' time you'll just be able to still watch it and just. Isn't play. it? Aren't they saying that by 2025 it's going to be watched more than Friends or something like that? I think so because they were, they were planning on taking it off on Netflix on January the 15th. I think it was like such an outcry. Yeah. Uh, like they just kept it on. I don't understand why it was when it's maybe, you know, detriment from their own documentaries that Netflix have out there. You know, <laughs> maybe. Or, yeah. You know, when they're not getting the rights to it. But um, 
Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it's rather rather an amusing program. Moving from moving from the states, James, to Australia. Tell us about Australia. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm, from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years, or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Australia, it was really interesting. Um, I remember when we arrived at the airport, and I remember thinking, said to my friend, oh my God, this is pointingly hot. You know, I, I've been, I'd never been anywhere more than 12 degrees. And I was like landed in Perth and I was Western Australia, but the heat's so dry and it was like sweltering. And then we walked to like where you get collected. Um, so there's this uh, Estonian boy waiting who came from the farm to pick us up. And the first thing he does is rattles the keys at me and says, you drive? I said, I can't. I didn't drive. I was like, I have no idea where we're going. So anyway, this was really interesting because this guy couldn't speak an ounce of English. So we had like five hour journey back. But as we were leaving, you know, when you leave like the 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 departure lines to go out into the car park, I was like, God Almighty, I need to get out and cool down. Well, as the doors opened, I realized we'd been standing in air conditioning and the gulf of heat just hit me like a freight train. I was like, I can't drive in this for two months. I can't. I'll die. I'll die. It's on the phone to mum already. Mum! <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we, when we arrived at the yard in the morning, I'm not joking you, I was like a kid in a candy shop. The yard was colossal. And the size of the headers for the combine, they were just high out of this league. And, it, it, you know, I'd heard about things like that before, but I'd never witnessed it. Um, so when I got my combine uh, the first morning, honestly, I was like a dog with trois. <laughs> so I was uh, fairly in my element, and uh, then you know reality kicked in, and we were in like I was in. I got sent off the field with my own. It was a three thousand acre field, yeah. and uh, I had to cut that. I was in it for three days. Um, and uh, that seems rapid, does it not? No, no, I didn't cut the whole thing. I, I moved away again. <laughs> Wait a minute, no, that's no. important. How many acres? 125,000 acres was the size of the farm. Is that, is that not half the size of yours in Dundee? <laughs> uh, a, a quarter, mate, a quarter. He was only a kid in a candy shop when he saw it because he was so surprised at how small the 40 foot was. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen these toys before. Is this it? I thought it was coming out to something special. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was uh, that was that was a real eye opener, and just I mean, the, so my combine uh, it dropped the gearbox on the header, and where it was where the the, the gearbox was running, there was uh, some chaff straw built up in there. Well, it started a field fire. Right, and I'm not joking you. I mean, I've heard of all these things happening before. I have never seen fire move so far. It doesn't even properly burn the crop because it's so dry. It literally, genuinely not lying when I say this, but I would imagine it's sort of Usain's bolt sort of speed. Jesus, across the field, 
Now, when that happens in the area and you start to see all the smoke, all the neighbours stop what they're doing. And then it's by law, you've got to have a fire truck over there, so you've got to have a truck that can carry X amount of litres of water. But, I mean, when it's like that, it's like, you know, testing in the wind. Um, but what what's happened with this German guy working on the farm as well, who then decided that he didn't really realise how it all happened. So he thought he'd use my combine to cut a break. As we were all out, like, running about the fire truck, he used my combine try and get in front of the fire and stop it the way the wind was going, not realising he was starting more fires with the header. So, needless to say, our boss was a, a Scottish guy that I know really well, and yeah, there's one guy in the world I, I wouldn't want to get in a, a tussle with it, it would be this lad. And uh, anyway, I could see him firing off a crawl, basically drove through the fire to get to the combat in his view. And uh, needless to say, the German didn't last very, very long after that, to be honest. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was a, it's just scale, everything's scale, you know, roads, a hundred kilometers dead straight. There was, you know, and yes, they don't have the massive acreages, but their agronomy is getting better all the time. And their cost per acre is, even though they've got huge commons and equipment bills massive, you split that down to a per acre basis, these guys can do it so cheaply. James, I kind of thought we were joking when we said you went there, it was small, and you've just said they don't have much acreage. No, no, their cost, their, their cost per acre. Oh, I was going to say, wait a minute. No, 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 their cost per acre. So even though they've got massive equipment and everything, they've got such small cost, cost per acre uh, for producing food. And unfortunately, I think that's what's going to be the hindrance for us. That's the difficult bit we are fighting against. I, unless they come out with GM crops or anything like that, where we can really reduce our usage on fungicides and pesticides, um, sorry, pesticides, not fungicides, um, then we, we are struggling to be able to keep up with the world competition of growing, growing crops. But I dare say that's just a marketplace. But we really need to open our, open our eyes to GM crops because if we're all pushing for a more organic way of the life, then there has to be there has to be um, there has to be consequences to that. And opening up the door to genetically modified crops in the UK has to be the angle that we go for. A brilliant topic. Uh, do you know? What, and I'll just get into it. The first time you got out of Australia, it reminds me of the the Betweeners movie, and they were like. It is well up. Might be too hot. Might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there was no might be's about it. So I'll say, me and mummy, we need to tell No, 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 no. <laughs> Mate, I was sitting in class with students today, and it was just getting to the stage. I'm like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. You know, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> done Fisher in April. Uh, so no, I I definitely couldn't do it. But um, see, when you mentioned about your your thing, the guy trying to cut across it with a combine. Have you seen that video of the states where a fire breaks out? And yeah. he goes, I actually, it's been so long since I've seen it, I don't know what it is. He the guy goes in the John Deere with a cultivator. Is it a cultivator? Because he must be flying if it is. Yeah, he, he, it's a cultivator. He'll just be working the top stubble and he'll be, you know, he's flying across and he keeps jinking out south of it yeah. and just keeping out in front of it. Quite something. So, uh, it is. It is. Um, uh, get the drone on it as well. The chances are nothing. 
Yeah. But the, <clears throat> the big problem is sometimes it can be so, if it's too windy and the, the, the burning embers float over, they can float over the, 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 the break, the fire break that you make. So sometimes if it's really windy, you've just got to sit back and hope that the wind's going in a direction that it hits a road. But, you know, I've heard stories that I'll show you where it can jump, you know, it can jump 100 metres. Scary, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. scary. So you mentioned GM, James. I'll put the question to Nick first, just just for just to see his opinion, because he's not done quite as much on the arable side as yourself. What's your opinions on GM? Pro, <laughs> I know no, I literally know nothing about it at all. I mean, the only crops we do is we grow some spring barley whole crop to go into the calves to fatten them a bit more. Um, I literally, I know nothing about that side. That is very much James's expertise. And you're not looking at genetically modifying them, Nick, no? Not, uh, not, not, not at the moment, no. <laughs> um, I'd, I, you see a lot online about these um, vertical farms and stuff like that. Is that what you're talking about, James? No, no. Genetically modified means cross, crossing the genes of crops uh, and basically stopping the use of uh, or not stopping, but significantly reducing the use of like chemicals and pesticides yeah. Um, yeah. is what is what I'm wanting to do. What I, you know, we need to go down that route. Otherwise, we're going about sustainability. I'll give you a good one, right? This is this is a cracker. So there's a there's a variety of potato out there at the moment called Eurostar, uh, and it's really good at fighting a real a common problem in uh, potato land called PCN. Uh, potato cyst nematode, right? Um, so what it does is uh, it, when, the, when the eggs hatch, when they realise there's a potato plant there, uh, they, 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 for some reason they can't eat the roots. It's something in the genes of the, the, the physiology of the crop. They can't eat it. See? So anyway, this, this variety helps clean up the land without the use of chemicals. And I, instead of controlling it, Instead of allowing it to multiply, it actually reduces the PCN numbers in the land, right? And it's a really good variety. It tastes really well, passes a lot of tests. But there's a certain supermarket, I'm not going to name them because I deal with them, but there's a certain supermarket that will not really be, they're not that keen on them because the, the shape of them, they're not perfectly rounded. They're a bit more elongated and they don't suit the bags very well. That is mental. I know. Honestly, the, what, what, what everybody sees is the front. The back is completely different. But that's not, that's not GM, though, James, is it? No, 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 they're not GM. They're, 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 that's cross-pollination. So different varieties. That, you know, that's, them, that's plant breeders taking, you know, pollinating crops from different varieties to try and find these genes to make like these varieties have been always there but getting the ones getting the right ones to taste well and to look well and it's all about storability you know we're harvested in october we store potatoes all the way through to the following may so they've got to store um there's a lot of you know things that they can be thrown out for there's there's a condition called black dot now it's on the skin it's not a prominent black dot it's like a a dulling of the skin it happens on the like the lighter varieties like white varieties and manis piper 
it does nothing to the crop, right? Absolutely nothing to the taste, will not make you ill, nothing. And we get pinged on that, so it gets thrown out. So there's so much in-house standard fighting about what needs to go in the bag and what it doesn't, because they talk about it, the consumer will complain. Now, I would love to know how many consumers would complain about black duck. I actually think you'd be surprised. Really? But, but I think it's is because... That, is that to get the free fiver? It's because of the... Consumerism is this idea of protecting the consumer, and in, in theory, that's a good thing. But it's got to the point that it's been like manipulated; it's went too far, and people actually really want too much. And it's, it's I mean, like take wonky veg for example. You go in, you look at wonky veg. I bought wonky carrots last week from Aldi, and I don't think any of them weren't perfectly straight. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with any of them, and it's it's actually kind of worrying that that's a thing. Um, the GM one always sort of interests me, though. I mean, if you're listening, there's two, if you're listening at the minute, there's two sort of different types of things we're looking at, and one's called GM and one's called gene editing, so GM, genetic modification, which always sort of gets the name of, you know, um, Frankenstein food and that sort of thing, and it's illegal in this country, and we'll see what happens sort of post-Brexit and what happens. Uh, but, yeah, it is an interesting one, and I'm the same as you, James. When I, when I was a student, I was really sort of pro it, and I haven't really been all that involved in it since, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, you, you've got the two farms. Could you tell us about not the one you're at at the minute, so like the, the non-easy care one, shall we say? Yeah, so we run 240 Aberdeen Angus cows. Um, we put Charlie bull, Charlie and Shorthorn bulls to them. Um, we also breed our own replacement heifers. Um we have roughly 450 Scotch mules that we put Texel tups to, to make nice, sexy little lambs to go into the market. <laughs> and we have about 200 wild as hell black-faced yows that we put Leicester tups to, to make our Scotch mules to breed our Texels to. Um, a lot, we have a lot of kind of lowlands, but we also have a lot of kind of high, rougher stuff as well, which is great for grazing. Um, and it rains every day in the southwest, so we pretty much have the perfect grass growing weather to do it. It's impressive how much it rains down here. Oh, phenomenal. When everyone else is in, uh, you know, um, a drought, the, the guys in the Friesen Gallery are still, still having to wear their leggings to work every day. It would be amazing if we found a way to harness that rain and we could sell it to those people um, oh, absolutely if water could be a commodity it'd be quite something be quite well something. The, the, the first starting point is a little bit of concrete around the yard to be honest that, that can catch a bit of rain <laughs> you say that as if someone's done that is that what's happened no no I'm saying that no. it's because there's probably a lack of concrete <laughs> <laughs> we can't all afford a concrete mix for me do you know? I think if you go B and Q, you get one for fifty nine ninety nine at the moment. Hey, we've got a hand. We've got a hand one from nineteen three. <laughs> right. Did you get that? Did you get that thrown in the deal when you bought your class tractor? Oh yeah, accusations for you. I just feel like we live different lives, Nick. To him, he's just got it. Like you know. Got the sun on his face. He's sitting in his tractor, having a vape, watching the telly, 
just there's two thousand pounds a day coming in from the electricity. Life's fucking good in Dundee, man. I think his words when I said two thousand was nearly, so probably two five. You know. <laughs> um, the well, here these are both both from farming, both well, both continued into farming, both sort of met at Aberdeen Uni. Uh, tell us about the uni days. <laughs> Go on, I don't know how much detail we're legally allowed to go to. <laughs> when I first met Nick at uni, I'm amazed he's still walking a bell. <laughs> I remember looking at this guy thinking, wow, I've met the real life gather. <laughs> It does that, sound that like he's group on days. Big, that continued, actually. That is probably the biggest compliment I've ever been given. <laughs> he, he wasn't talking about the football ability, mate. It was like someone last week said, I was Luke Combs without the singing ability. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably a fat bastard. That's all that's happened to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aberdeen Uni was, um, we called it the city of broken dreams because all the kind of good sportsmen's from school or academics or anything like that. When they come to Aberdeen, there's only one one way you go. You end up smoking, drinking, because you only get three, three, three hours of daylight in the winter up there. So when you're at uni and you sleep in, you're pretty much in darkness for six months of the year. So <laughs> it's <was> pretty grim. <laughs> yeah, but it's supposed to be the best night out in the country, is it not? Oh, I, I mean, some of the nights out, James, we had, what was it like? Oh, it was pretty serious. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great fun. I mean, I, I remember there was, uh, quite, quite a, quite a lot of nonsense went on. I mean, I'm trying to think of one that I can actually tell, like one that's not many, like, not, no, there's not, there's not, there's not many. And uh, there's one that kind of got to give myself a little bit of trouble, but. Yeah, well, it looks like you're ready to go for it. Like it looks like. Yeah, good, good one, guys. So there was one night. Actually, it was it was just at the very end of term, and uh, so I kind of like I a lot of my school friends went to Aberdeen Uni. I was about the only one that went to Edinburgh first initially for two years, and then I moved up to Aberdeen for my final year. Um, and uh, so I stayed in town with my mates rather than staying out of campus. With mm-hmm. the, the college boys. And so one of my, the guy that I started rooming with uh, in Aberdeen, he wasn't actually one of my friends from school. It was one of like, one of the next mates. Um, so I kind of got to know two different groups up there. So it was really, it was really good. Um, so all these guys were having a night out. And I would think it was like a Saturday. So I flew up the road in my truck. I was at the flat and everybody was, you know, we're having a great time. And uh, anyway, Right, right, lads. Well, we go off to the bobbin and get like a couple of Jager bombs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the local pub, which was the students' bar. So, everybody piled into my truck. We flew off down to the bobbin, a couple of Jager bombs back to the back to the flat. Woke up in the morning and I'm like, Go, right, lads, I'm, I'm away down the road, go out in the street. I'm like, Where's my truck? And I was like, I came out, I was like, Lad, anybody, like, did anybody see my truck? No. I was like, we took it back, didn't we? They were like, yeah, yeah, we took it back. I was like, guarantee you we took it back. Um, and I was like, oh, my God. So we went on this hunt around Aberdeen for my truck. And Nick, do you know where, like, the bobbin is 
directly across is uh, Uni Road. Well, along Uni Road, in behind one of the, the Uni exam halls, there's like a wee car park. Yeah. It was in there with the keys still in it. I remember thinking, wow. I, like, I was going into like the pharmacy across the road asking for like the CCTV footage and all this sort of stuff to try and piece it back together. But, I mean, yeah, there, it was just, it's a great, great city. And when you're around guys like, like-minded, you know, people go to Aberdeen for fun. When I was in Edinburgh, I very much experienced, like, I, my uni, my college mates in Edinburgh, we were, I, all the aggregate boys were always up for a great laugh. But you always find there was, now it's a great, great thing, but there was a lot of diversity. There was a lot of, you know, you always found different, on night time, different, you know, squads of people. And yeah. some people liked sort of some form of banter and some people didn't like it. And But when you went to Aberdeen, it, it really did have like a, everybody was singing from the same hymn sheet sort of feel. So you never really got into, there was no bother, you know, it was everybody was just pretty laid back and chilled out and had a laugh, really. No bother, but uh, pickups did go not where you left them. Uh, I don't know, when I say when you, you got into no bother, I meant, I, and, like, you know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's quite interesting when you go to, like, I was Glasgow as opposed to Edinburgh, but you're sort of used to the same bunch and then it's just everyone. All cultures, yeah. diversity, and yeah. like you say, like there's a good there's a good side to that, but there's also like you've got to read the room and everyone's different. It's quite interesting. But um was it both agriculture you done? Yeah. No. I did law. I did law for a year and then failed all my exams. Someone's yeah. bougie. Didn't know that. Yeah, well, I failed all my exams. Um, so I had to repeat first year and I was like, what the hell do I do? Um, and I was like, well, I really liked history at school. So and I was quite good at it. So I was like, Oh, that should be quite easy. And I think in total, in the four years I was there, I maybe attended six lectures because um, they weren't compulsory. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> great, really enjoyed it. Had the full uni experience. <laughs> I missed one class at uni. <laughs> Loser! No, what, what, <laughs> I mean, I'll accept that, I'll accept that, but I'm not saying I was sober in all of them because uh, I definitely wasn't, but... Uh, no, it was good times. It was very good times. I do kind of miss it sometimes, to be honest. I miss uh, it every day. That was me in my prime. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame you studied history, but we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> just called out a major demographic there, sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't think the, the folk that studied history, I don't think there's many of them listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of podcasts, you guys have one. Um I guess, why? Why do you have a podcast? What made that start? Whose idea was it? These are doing that sort of co-thing, which is quite interesting because I am now just about to start that. I've started a, a co-hosted podcast with, with a mate of mine. So, uh, yeah, how does it come about? Well, basically, I was sitting in the tractor one day and I listened to a lot of other podcasts like the Rugby Pod um, and, like, thanks very much. Sorry. Um, lots of different other things. Um, and I was sitting in the chat one day and I was singing for a farming podcast and um, they were all kind of middle-aged to elder gentlemen talking about really serious farming stuff. So I lasted about 10 minutes listening to the podcast and then um, turned them on. So I then said to James one night, 
I've got this idea. There's no kind of podcasts out there that are really that enjoyable. Um, to fancy having a go at it. Um, and then we obviously did. And now we're, we're millionaires from it. For sure, obviously. That's it. That's it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a little bit hurt that you said there's none out there that are entertaining, but it's fine. Um, we, we didn't find yours. Well, you started at the same time as us anyway, so you didn't exist. I was a month old at that stage, thank you. The podcast, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not three. Uh, I'd just like to say, for those of you that are listening in Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you're missing out because if you were watching on YouTube, Nick is currently on his bed and has been for the last half hour uh, and looks very comfy. Um, I'm slow. I'm slowly, slowly getting more and more slab. I, I mean, the the thing about this time of year is lambing and calving is you're you're up at five and I feed the lambs for the last time about half eleven twelve. So and I've been doing that for two and a half months. So I'm running on fumes. So every time I lie down, I fall asleep. So yeah, it's not it's not a good place to be. See, James, this is what works like. <laughs> I know. It looks very difficult, to be honest. <laughs> so, James, why'd you say yes? Why'd you say yes to do it? Um, good question. I don't like letting anybody down, really, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was on an idea and I just thought I was done with it, you know? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just quite like... I'm... I, I quite like not being vocal about things, but I like, you know, thinking that your points maybe getting across to some people. I hate the idea of, you know, trying to, to, to not, I don't want to say shape thinking, because that sounds like dictatorism sort of thing, but to understand, to try and get your point across of what we're doing to a wider audience and to try and increase the awareness that, like what we do is not bad for the environment because you know in the last sort of five years it, it really feels as though like the knives out the knives are out for agriculture which I just can't fathom why anyone would want to be so hard on an industry that everybody needs well you know the whole standard three times a day sort of thing but I just it doesn't register with me what is going on at the moment. But also. The other thing, the other thing that me and James both really agree on. So, it's absolutely a platform for us to have our own opinions, but also to hear other opinions of people in the industry. But also, the great thing about what we do is we're trying to be funny, trying to be lighthearted, because we know, you know, farmers have dark days, and mental health is like so bad in agriculture like it's got to be up there as one of the worst industries um so we're trying to reach out to people so that they know that you know we're having a shit day too and you know trying to make light of you know bad situations i mean i put a post on the other day of a bag of fatalities i had when we had a storm here the other night and my mum messaged me straight away and was like you're going to get so much hate for that because um, there's a lot of stuff. We can talk about Gareth Wynn Jones and all that sort of stuff in a minute if you want, but there's a lot of stuff on, on socials at the moment that's really against um, things to do with lambs and stuff like that. All I had was love and all I had was people saying, we had the same night, we've had the same brutal morning. Um, and that's really good just to hear that because farmers, like James talks about it a lot, Farmers are always looking over the fence, over the fence to the neighbour and saying, "Shit, everything looks perfect over there." 
we're actually everyone has the same problems um and i think a lot of what we we've kind of fallen into james you'd agree i hope is you know just try to have a laugh at it and try and make people feel better about what we're doing you know you, yeah i'm i'm kind of glad you went so quickly to mention mental health because you said you did this to be funny and i was just about to say you don't manage and then you went pretty serious and i was like that would have been awkward uh, <laughs> <laughs> The Gareth Wynne Jones one's an interesting one. I'm interested to hear your opinions because I think it's good to sort of show everything we're doing and showing, I think, skin and lambs is one of the most amazing things we have. Like, the lamb's dead and you're still managing to get an adopted parent on. Brilliant. All good. He didn't help himself using the hatchet. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I skinned the lamb just before I came on the podcast here. Um, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you are giving a lamb uh, a mother. No, no. No, no activist out there is going out there stopping children being adopted. I mean, it's exactly the same thing. It's a yeah. good thing. Everyone does things differently. Um, and I'm not going to say he's right or is wrong. I support him in showing and educating the, the, the public. And me and James talk about educating the public all the time. Um, and sometimes, you know, Farming is hard. I mean, we don't enjoy skinning lambs. Um, I mean, it's one of the worst things you have to do. Um, so I'm in two minds about it. I mean, I, th I think he, he does a great job at educating the general public. Um, and I think people need to stop attacking people. Like, what do people get out of that? Like, he, he is doing a good thing. He's not doing a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you do you think you've got this platform now where you're you're sort of portraying farming's story? Do you do you feel like a is there a weight in your shoulders for that that you want to do it right? You go for pioneer, a, a pioneer. Oh, amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is it. Um, uh, I mean, like let let us be honest. We're not we're not uh, speaking for it. To sort of government officials on on representing farmers, so I, I mean that I think that would bear a bigger weight if you were trying to understand the needs of farmers and and representing them in a in a in a scale that would uh, affect their businesses going forward. What we just like to be doing is stay relevant, um, speak about topics, you know, likes of the Garrett situation, um, real things that are happening in real world, um, and not ideology. And yeah. but also, you know, touching on the Gareth situation, I mean, I am getting so fed up with this wokeism that is floating about. Um, and unfortunately, it's the harsh realities of life. Like, we train human beings to go to war with other human beings. How is that not worth them what he did? Like, yeah. And, and but the only reason people don't care about things like that is because it affects themselves personally because they think it keeps them safe. When you start going down the route of if you don't care about a subject, say you know like, oh, Alfie, did you or did you see the the score in the 
in the, the, the bowls at the weekend between Poland and Slovakia, you'd be like, well, I don't care. What do you mean? I, I was at the bloody game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually uh, Croatia against Slovakia. But Shit, you know what? bastard you got me. <laughs> just what I'm saying, it's like, you know, I would, you know, I would never, ever proclaim to be an expert in the, in the subject of bowls or, or the teams or anything like that because I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Whereas True, it's, yes. Like agriculture, you really need to know if you're going to come and moan about a problem, have a solution. And I always, that's how I work. I will never ever complain to somebody if I can't have a solution for for it at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a, such a good point. Couldn't agree more. With you know, I'll, I'll never <laughs> come up to one of my guys, and that's why I think, and that's why I'm so hands on in what I do. I've just I've. I'm not, I don't do every job all the time, but I've had my go on every job that we do, you know, whether it's for a day or whether it's for a week or whether it's for a season. It's so when I speak to my guys when they're doing it, I can understand what can be done and what can't be done. So when I ask them, oh, can you change that because it'll do that? Whereas, and it's the same thing, but completely different almost. But I don't like people saying, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You know, it's like the livestock thing, right? Okay, you, you, we want vegans and vegetarians. We want to stop. Right, who looks after the cattle? What happens when they get ill? Who's going to be accountable for when they're all roaming about in the motorways and jokeradways? Who, who is going to do that? Because it comes at a cost. And it goes against every single grain in their body to say, right, we have a mass call now to stop reproducing because that's <coughs> just as bad. So, yeah, they don't I, ever have a solution. And I think, you know, I spoke, I had NFUS on a few weeks ago, just a few folk from NFU, and we started talking about sort of carbon and all that and, and all that jazz that is, that is a joyous topic at the minute. But there was a, a carbon calculator company, I think it's like USAR or something like that. It begins with a Y. I've never heard of it before. <clears throat> they put this photo up of what I assume is some kind of Swiss flake V type thing, not majorly up on Swiss breeds. Uh, standing atop an extremely, uh, well, not extremely, but a very steep hill, very grassy, probably five or six different wildflowers in the grass. And uh, it's like um, talking about the carbon issues with farming. And there's a bunch of vegans and vegetarians, bang, 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 bang. And I'm not calling it vegan and vegetarianism. I've spoke a lot about the positives of it. But when you're looking at that photo, you've got seven or eight species of, of, of plant that you can literally see. There'll be species of, of, of insects and whatnot that you can't see. You're not getting a fucking combine up there. You've, you know, like, it's like there's, I, we keep giving farming and a particular livestock farming this shocking name and it, it's, it's annoying. It's annoying. And yeah, like, like we're saying, like we've got to, how you can constantly go on at the, the thing that feeds you three times a day. Now, I know there's other things you can get food from, but for the most part, it's a bit, it's a bit endless. And, and sharing that story is a big part of what you'll be doing, which is good, which is good. Um, tell us about some of the guests you've had on. <laughs> um, well, I've had all sorts, to be fair. We, we, we started um, with kind of like, um, you know, sheep farmers and girls in agriculture women in agriculture sorry um 
And then we managed to get a couple of um, big names on. We had... Um, oh, my God. Our, agron- our, our agronomist one in Ukraine was quite good. Yeah, That's, that was... Uh, yeah, I haven't listened to it because I don't really listen to many things, to be honest, but it sounds brilliant. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was a good one. And then we had, like, um, you know, Becca and Lizzie on. We've had Gareth and Jones. We've had Sean off the farming live. So... Uh, the sheep game, you know, we've had lo- loads of really Wallace good- Curry. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was that idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we've had some really, we've had some really cool people on, um, but like, you know, they've not all been your kind of um, guys that are out there on social media. We've had like, you know, lo- lots of real farmers, like friends of James's, friends of mine, and contacts that we've got that way as well. So we've had a real varied um pe- lot of people on and, and every now and again me and James just do one ourselves and just chat about what's actually going on in our, our lives so it's been really fun um, and I've learned a lot wouldn't you say James yeah definitely um definitely I mean, one of the biggest things I've actually learned is that from the first ones to now you really learn how to think before you're speaking, but on the spot as you're going, rather than just being this dump truck of verbal diarrhea, um, and you you know you become a bit more methodical in your thinking, and you actually think about situations a bit more, and you're maybe a bit more inclined now to view the other side's opinion on certain aspects, and yeah. like take it into account rather than just batting it away from the start. I have felt I've become a little more, more uh, receptive to it, even though I still 90% of the time don't agree with them, I still become receptive and see that their point of view, um, rather than being quite pig-headed and thrown. It does, it does open your eyes, and I think it's, a, it's true, though. I mean, like, it was probably before the podcast that I did that, just going I probably my master's year was the time I really started to open up and see well there's benefits to both of this and if we're trying to if we're trying to promote our side and you just go like what you're saying picking and throwing what you're doing is rubbish what you're doing is this that no one's going to be receptive to that but if you're like well I agree with this not don't lie about it but I agree with the parts you agree with talk about the benefits but then say well I actually think this this outweighs it then I think people are more receptive to that and probably listen to you a bit more you learn so much from doing a podcast and I think the thing that has blown my mind is the network I have now Mm. is insane you know like how many episodes have you done 40 odd 50 odd yeah Yeah, so that's 40 odd maybe 30 odd folk you never knew before and a lot of them, like you're saying, are pretty well connected themselves. And it's here, it's a networky sector, isn't it? So it's it's a brilliant thing. I tell a lot of folk to try it. It's good fun. You meet some great folk and yeah, no, it's it's always good crack. Um what's what's next for the podcast? What's have you got any uh, any uh, stars upcoming or what's next? Um <coughs> you, you've got someone quite special coming on, haven't you, Jim? Yeah, I've got someone um who's just been back from the front line in Ukraine delivering pickup trucks um, to the front line. Um, so that's Yeah, so it's, uh, it's called Pickups for Peace. Uh, it's an initiative that's going on at the moment that um, you, there's a, a couple of guys set it up 
they're originally from Angus, uh, but they've got farming interests over there. Um, and they're, they're um, set up this initiative and they've had a hell of a pickup delivered over full of aid. And what the trucks are going to be doing is showing the front line, there's, there's two forms of the front line. There is the front line, and then just behind it is there's all like the medical, all the cooking and the food and all the supplies and ammunition. So that stuff's getting taken from there. These trucks are going to be taking that all the supplies to the front line and then taking wounded and uh, you know anything that's required to come back the way. So it's uh, it's really quite interesting. Um, so he works for a big uh, big company over in Poland, uh, managing a, a lot of farmland over there. So uh, we're just uh, waiting to get get him on and uh, chat about his experience. And he, you know, spent a whole weekend with the Ukrainian soldiers um, out there. So you know, knowing what they've got to say firsthand, he's got a, he's got a really funny story. This sort of like hum, humanitarian bunch turned up with like bandages and like all this that was their sort of way of and they were like really trying to stop the war this uh, ukrainian soldier just came up literally pulled everything out the back drove off with a truck 20 minutes later came back and he jumped up with the back of the truck and he just patted this 50 cal gun and he said this is what we need <laughs> It's true though. I mean, like here, what's what's going out there is amazing. All that bandages and stuff—that's what a service to offer. But yeah, it's. I think we sometimes forget what's going on out there at the minute. You know, it was, what, the, the buzz has gone away from it now. It's like yeah, it's you know, not cooling. If you go on Sky News, see how quickly you have, see how long it takes you to scroll down until you find your first bit of news on it. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's weird. You know, it's, it's like, is this yeah. what happened during World War Two? Did this like? Was the buzz there at the start, and then did it slowly die off? I don't think so, because it was so relatable to everybody that they, they had family members that all went off to, you know, and, and they, I think it's like... They, they right. didn't live in the in the late 40s as it came to an end, you know, well, mid-40s and 45, but, you know, when it was still a thing, but it wasn't happening anymore, they didn't have TikTok to be like, well, let's look at this dance. It was... This has shook our world. This should be something we probably are aware of still. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a weird world we live in. You wonder if there is like a a world war. Like if there's a world war now, we're done. Like it's finished. But like if there's a thing that takes over the whole globe, will will it matter for a while? Then we'll be like, oh fuck it. <laughs> like because yeah. we have that just disregarding nature now. It's surreal. Well, it's put weird. it this way. Put it this way, carbon capture would be a thing of the past anyway. That 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 would be long forgotten about anyway. I can tell you that for free. It's amazing what we can dream up when we're not busy enough. I know that's it. That's here. That's it, and it's quite uh, it's you know I love love it. It's like oh, last summer, the warmest summer I've seen since nineteen thirty six. All right, so did it cool then after that? You know, it's like, but you know, I'm pretty sure. They weren't as highly intensified with, you know, fossil fuels back then. So yeah, and they only you, had one point four billion people on the planet then. So like, I know. Like, <clears throat> you know, yeah. Scotland, Scotland's in a bit for you know the, the world's emissions. It's like it's like going to the beach and picking up a bottle and saying you cured pollution in the ocean. You know? Is there not? Is there not an island 
of of um, plastic somewhere in the Atlantic, nearer the states, nearer that side, that they say is about the size of whales. It's just all caught up, and it's just well, it's the size of whales, so it's just picking loads of stuff up as it goes. Um, I was reading about that recently, and I've heard a couple of folk mention it after I said it, but uh, yeah, mental. And it's yeah, and it, farming is okay. Farming is probably part of the problem, but it's uh, I think it's not the main problem. But anyway, no, we I'm could sit, we could sit and sit and do that for ages. But boys, here we spoke for over an hour. It kind of flies by. <clears throat> um, the well, maybe not for you, but it's 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 nice. It's it's a pleasure to meet such rich men. Uh, so <laughs> rich man, rich man, rich man. That's it. Um, I finish every episode with two questions, so I guess it's going to be four questions because you're both going to get the same. One, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you've any tips for folk into farming or just general billionaire lifestyle, James, what would they be? <clears throat> So the first question in the five years' time, in five years' time, I will probably be sitting on my potato planter again, um, maybe with a slightly newer tractor than this one, maybe in five years, but we'll see how the trade goes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'd like to just continue expansion, and, you know, we don't have any family yet, but I'd quite like to think, we, you know, we'll we have some family in the future, and... and uh, maybe build a, a platform for them to continue on, you know, because I'm the sixth, sixth or seventh generation um, farming and, you know, I don't want to be the one it's to, 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 to stop that. Um, sorry, what was your other question again? Hey, if you would any tips for folk getting into it. I, I, as I said to Rick before, and I said to a lot of people, if you've got an idea or you've got a belief and you, you, you've really studied it and investigated it and, and there's a lot of people putting you off, people can only think what you think. But if you've got the knowledge, you're already a step ahead of them. I've, I always suffered a lot when I was younger with, like, always worried about what people thought and listening to their thoughts more than my own. But then you soon discover, well, wait a minute, I've got a logical way of thinking and good working brain that I can think you know, there's not a set way to be. And I think yeah. schools put that into me that there was a this set way that you had to be. And if you didn't fit the mold, you weren't very good. And as I've got older and discovered, being successful is not all about, you know, being, having five A's or being, you know, graduate in law or, 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 or a doctor and anything. It's about having a goal and what you're interested in and achieving that, don't set a time limit on it, just achieve it. Yeah. And that, to me, is success. Like, taking something, don't get me wrong, I've had a fantastic opportunity and I wouldn't have been able to build my gas plant without the security of what my father has built up. You know, and uh, I'm very, very fortunate in that aspect. But also, it could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. And we, So I, I had to weigh up the option of, I put a family business that's been here for so many generations on the line and go for it. That's harder than probably doing it from scratch in your own because you, you've got no one else to let it down but yourself. But yeah, just I, I feel that everybody's very conservative and with the world of social media these days, you know, people can, opinions can fire across very quickly. But stick to your guns and if you're, do, if you're doing what you love, you'll succeed. I read that. 
I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, you made a good point about the, I don't you'd mentioned before, if you did, I'd missed it, about, you know, you're not just second generation. There's a few a few sort of generations there. That weight is, is on you, isn't it? Um, whether you like it or not, or whether you see it or not, is there. Uh, no, definitely. What about yourself, Nick? <clears throat> um, I'll be the largest easy care farmer in the Northern Hemisphere. In fact, quite, a, quite a small flex that continue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think, um, I really enjoy what I've done and I feel quite proud that I, I took a punt on it. And I've said it before, um, James's James's advice, which is the best piece of advice that I've been given, is just go for it and then apologize for it later. Um, and that's generally the best bit of advice I've ever been given. Um, I said to James, oh, I've got all these ideas, but, you know, Dad, Dad's done it a certain way forever. And, um, you know, I've asked him about doing stuff in the past and he's kind of, you know, said no to it and stuff. And James said, just go out and buy it and then talk about it later. And actually, for my easy cares, I just went out and got a loan uh, myself and just went and bought them. And it's the, the best thing I've ever done. Um, so kind of answers both questions. I'd like to to um, be doing what I'm doing with my easy cares, but on a large scale in five years' time. Um, but at the same time, my be best bit of advice or tip for people getting into farming is just do it, give it a go, don't be scared, don't be frightened to try something new, um, and then worry about the consequences later. I love it. And do you know that the, the, the don't ask for no? Just go for it and then try and work it out later. It's so true. And my boss actually told me that. I think he regrets it now. Uh, but <laughs> when when I joined, I was always like, hey, sorry, is it okay if I go out the door for a minute? You know, like I was proper, like, got to ask everything, got to ask everything. And he was like, well, let's just go for it, man. Like, just just do it. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah. And he was like, ask for forgiveness and all this sort of thing. I'm, nah, I'm never going to do that. Never going to do that. Two years on, he regrets it hugely. But I think it was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Because you do, you do things and you do it with the right intention. Yeah. If yeah. you're getting to the stage you're thinking about doing it, it's, it's you're doing it with all <clears throat> all good intention. But now here, boys, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah. yeah. It's been great to be on the other side of the table. Weird, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think good. Enjoy it. I think this is the least I've talked in a podcast that we've ever done, James. I know. And for that reason, Nick, it was bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Me do it, well, you me do it. <laughs> no, not at all. Absolute pleasure having you on. Good time to chat as always. It's you know, it's coming up to coming up to show season. Maybe we'll bump into each other and actually meet in, in no real life and that. But um yeah, no, thank you for coming on. If you are listening and you enjoy farming podcasts, check out Farming Funny um on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that I take it. It's everywhere, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um check it out, a lot of good a lot of good episodes on there. I have heard, I, as you all know, I'm not really a listener of many things, but a lot of my students listen to it. We have quite a few folk that are big fans. So, um, yeah, go check them out. Uh, if you are interested in more podcasts, we'll be having, I think we've just jumped to, now we'll be at eight a month we'll be releasing. So there's more coming. So six farming-based ones, two non-farming-based ones. This month we will have 
the first intro to our new All In podcast, which was two episodes ago, which basically means anyone can come on. The first guest is going to be someone that's been to 59 countries and his partner has been to 28. The second guest is going to be a professional footballer, a professional rugby player and a policeman who's been involved in quite a lot of dodgy chases in Australia. So we've got quite a lot coming on, uh, quite a lot of interesting stories coming out and uh, hopefully we'll get up to that stage of 12 episodes a month, which is the goal and has been the goal for some time now. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening, James, Nick. Been a pleasure. Thank you all. Uh, well, thank you both for getting involved, and uh, we shall see you next week for an episode. I have no idea what it is yet. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R Two Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A Plan Rural. If you follow A Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.